All right, praise the Lord. How's everybody doing? Are we almost awake? Almost awake? Okay, about half of us. Okay. All right. Hey, I'm so happy that you guys are here. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm happy I'm here because um, this weekend, like we talked about before, is for us connecting more with Christ, uh, connecting with one another, and being immersed in God's Word, okay? And so we're going to take the next 30 minutes. Oh my goodness, it's only 30 minutes. It's not that long. And we're going to dive into God's Word. Um, I want you to lock in. I want you to focus in, just like Trevor said last night. Uh, Not because I'm speaking, but because God is going to speak. You know, when we're in God's Word, He is speaking to us. Wouldn't you like Jehovah God to come down and rend the heavens? And He's going to do that someday. And speak to us. He also speaks to us every time we get into God's Word, okay? And our topic for this uh, weekend is, let's say the three words all together. See if you can not look at the front of your outline. Regeneration, growth, building. All right, try again. Regeneration, growth, building. You guys must be in college. I can see you're just absorbing it already. From where? From the book of 1 Peter. Just like Trevor talked about last night. We are regenerated by the divine seed. God sows his life into us as a seed. And 1 Peter 1.23 says, how how is that conveyed to us? Look look on the outline just before. I want you to look at 1 Peter 1.23. How do we get regenerated with the divine seed? It comes through what? Through the living and abiding Word of God. Say Word. Word. We get regenerated through the living and abiding Word of God. And what's, what do you hope happens with a seed after it's sown? You hope it grows, right? Boy, if it doesn't grow, big disappointment, right? I mean, how many times have you planted that little guy? You're in elementary school. You put the little seed in the dirt, and then you watched it, and nothing happened, right? I mean, hopefully something happened. Otherwise, you were a sad second grader. (laughs) What we hope happens with seeds is that they grow. So after we're regenerated with the divine seed, what God wants to happen, or what we want to happen, is we want to grow. Who in here here feels like they need to grow more in their Christian life? Okay, almost all of us again. Okay, good. We do need to grow in the Christian life. And For what purpose is that? That's what Josh is going to talk about tonight. The purpose for which the growth of the divine seed. Why? Why does it happen? What's the purpose? That's God's building. So that's what we're going to talk about, okay? Regeneration, seed gets in. Growth, unto what? A building. Normally you would think that's kind of mixing metaphors there, but actually this is an organic building, okay? It's a, it's a building unlike you've ever been in before. Even cooler than this auditorium. Okay, that being said, I've got somebody's outline here. Did anybody leave this on the front row last night? It's girl handwriting. Pro- okay, sweet. This is for you. This is for you. See if you can find a pen. I've got two for you. Anybody who needs a pen, take a note. Um, the Lord is going to speak to you, Colby. Thank you. Thank you, Megan. You got it. Okay, so I want you to write this sentence down. If you get this one sentence... You're going to get everything that I hope God imparts to you from his word this morning, okay? We're going to talk about a lot of things 
Um, I may get confused. You may get confused, okay? If you get this one sentence, you're going to get it, okay? So write this down. Genuine growth. Genuine growth. Genuine growth as defined by the Bible. Genuine growth as defined by the Bible necessitates eating God's Word. Necessitates eating God's Word. Genuine growth as defined by the Bible necessitates, that means it's necessary, necessitates eating God's Word, comma, comma, which results in our fullness of joy, which results in our fullness of joy and fulfills God's eternal purpose, which results in our fullness of joy and fulfills God's eternal purpose. Genuine growth, as defined by the Bible, necessitates eating God's Word, which results in our fullness of joy and fulfills God's eternal purpose. You know, when God gets His eternal purpose fulfilled, He's happy. And when we eat God's Word, we have fullness of joy, and that makes us happy. So this is a happy message, okay? You feel that? Okay. So, when you think of growth, I want us to make sure we're all on the same page. When you think of growth in a Christian context, what do you think of? What, what comes to mind? Oh, I really want to grow this year. Okay, what does that practically mean? What does Christian growth look like? What are the first things that come to your mind? I want Getting closer to God. Good, okay? There's an ease. There's an ease, okay? There's an ease, like inwardly, you're at ease. In the things that you do. Okay, yeah, like, kind of like peace. Okay, yeah, what else? Daily devotion, okay, good. Reading the Bible, okay? Prayer, okay? That's all we got? You guys are in college, sorry. No, I don't believe it. What do you think of when you think of growth in a Christian context? Following God's plan, okay, good, good. Expressing Christ more, very good, very good. Okay. When Peter talks about growth here, and, and this is why this is important, we want to make sure we're all on the same page here. We want to have the Bible's definition of what growth is, okay? So when we talk about growth, we may think of a few things. Uh, uh, usually people think of an accumulation of knowledge. I want to know more. That's not bad. That's good. Um, other times people think, yeah, I've really grown this year. I'm more, I, I'm, I'm at, I'm, uh, I feel good about myself. I've accepted certain things about myself. So now I, I've really grown this year. Okay, so it's, that's good. That's good too. Um, but what the Bible is talking about specifically in regards to growth is a growth in life. It's a growth in the divine life. And we know that because... Brother Peter here is going to say it right here at the first of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Okay, so I want us to read just verse 2, not verse 3 yet. I want us just to read verse 2 all together, okay? Ready, go. As newborn babes long for the godless milk of the word, in order that by it you may grow unto salvation. Okay, I want you to big circle, and there's only three verses, there's only three or four verses on this thing. So take notes, circle, underline. I want you big circle as newborn babes. 
as newborn babes. The fact that Peter starts with this phrase is significant. The more we know, the more pre-existing knowledge you have about babies, perhaps the more force this statement will have to you, okay? As newborn babes. And then he tells us something. He's using a pictorial language to communicate a lot in just three words. And when newborn babies grow, I, I know because I've got one right now. She's not even one month old yet, okay? When newborn babies grow, if you were to come to my house and I were to show you my little girl, and I would say, wow, she's, she's grown so much. Look at her. What you would not be expecting is, um, wow, she can give like a, a little mini TED Talk on um, what it's like to feed from a bottle and how many diapers she has per day and how, how she's um, doing with the, the rash that's developed. <laughs> you wouldn't expect her to, to tell you about that, the accumulation of the knowledge that she's gotten. If she started talking, it would frighten you. Think about that. When I say she's grown, what you expect is for her to be bigger, meaning her human life has developed. It's, it's grown. You, don't, you also don't expect her to say, you know what, the pacifier that I received, I, initially I wasn't happy with, but now I'm content with. And um, you wouldn't expect her to talk about any of that because she's a newborn. And what it means for a baby to grow is that her life develops. You see what I'm saying? So when you see her physically, she's larger. You see that? Okay, so when Peter talks about growth, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the development of the divine life we've received in the seed. Okay, does that make sense? We got that? Okay, also, just a little heads up. When you have a newborn, the pediatrician that you see after your child is born has one primary concern. There's one basic primary concern that the doctor has and the parents have. What do you think, what do you think that is? Ladies, don't answer. Guys, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think the basic concern that a pediatrician has about the newborn Eating. is? Eating. Wow. You must be in college. <laughs> I don't think I would have known that. I don't think I would have known that when I was. It's eating. It's eating. The basic primary concern that the doctors have and the parents have is that the baby's eating. They're so concerned about it that you'll experience this. You're going to get, you're going to get a little Excel chart that you're going to be filling out. Wow, okay, so she took a feeding at 4 a.m. and then, oh, dirty diaper at 6 a.m. Oh, two dirty diapers at 8 a.m. and then two more feedings at... You accountants, you're going to be using all those Excel skills that you've picked up in college to chart out your little one's feedings and dirty diapers, okay? I'm just putting that out there for your future, okay? That's how important it is. That's how important the feeding is. And then you take your little babita to the pediatrician one week later, and the whole goal is, oh, did they gain weight? I hope they weigh more now than they did a week ago. And it's, I mean, it's more, it's more frightening than any exam you've ever taken because... There's a human life in your hands. 
Wow, did, have they eaten enough to grow? And then you get the result, oh, 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 they gained weight, oh, wonderful. That means we're, you know, we're at least doing something right. What's important is the eating, eating. That's what determines growth. It's eating that determines growth. No eating, no growth. Does that make sense? Okay, but... For someone to eat, there must be a necessary pre-existing condition. For somebody to eat regularly, they need a necessary, regular, pre-existing condition that will cause them to eat. They need a, there's something that has to be there in order to, for the, to motivate them to eat so that they'll grow. What do you think that is? hunger. Hunger is necessary for someone to eat so that they may grow. Hunger is necessary. So check out what Peter's saying here. He's saying as newborn babes, I want you to look at the page. I want to push, I want want you to press your nose into this text. As newborn babes long for the guileless milk of the word as newborn babes are hungry and cry and crave and wake you up and demand i have to eat you will feed me wake up (laughs) you're tired i don't care i'm hungry you feed me i will have it i won't give you rest you will get up and you will feed me because i must have milk Just wait, you're going to have a lot of long nights someday, okay? As newborn babes long for the guileless milk of the Word. Newborn, as a newborn is to milk, so are we to God's Word. That's what he's saying. As a newborn babe craves, desires, longs for God's Word, that by eating it, he may grow. So you, you long for God's Word. That by eating it, you may grow. Hunger is the necessary pre-existing condition. So, I want to ask you, how often do you feel that way about reading your Bible? How often do you feel that way? I'm using the word feel on purpose. Because that's what Peter is driving after. How long, how often do you feel that way about reading God's Word? About coming to meetings like this where we're opening God's Word or, or coming to fellowships in which God's Word is going to be spoken? Or how often do you feel that way about listening to things that will communicate God's Word? you how often do you feel that way the interesting thing here is that Peter what Peter is not saying is that this would be ideal we should feel this way of course we don't you know but we should he's not saying that this is ideal I want you to put two stars by long because this is a command it's a command it's an imperative 
What Peter is saying is, as newborn babes long, you long, you, you feel this way. You crave, desire, you do it. You crave, you have to feel this way. You long, it's not a suggestion. Brothers and sisters, think about this, it's a command. He's saying you feel this way about God's word so that you'll eat it. And by eating it, you'll grow unto salvation. You feel this way. Isn't that interesting? You know, usually in human life, um, there's lots of laws and commands, but they're always regarding actions. Don't break the speed limit. Don't drive too fast. Don't uh, beat up your neighbor. Not very often do we hear rules and regulations regarding the affections of our heart. Right? So you may be thinking a few questions. Number one, you may be thinking, wow, that sounds really, that sounds like a little, little too much. Does, I mean, does God, does God have the right to tell me how to feel? I mean, they're, they're, my, they're my feelings. And however, however I feel is how I, is how I feel. I mean, does, does he have the right to tell me how to feel? And the answer is yes, he does. Because he's our creator. He's our creator, and by right of creation, he has full sway and right. He knows what's good for us. He has full right to tell us how to feel, and as well as what to do. He has full right to tell us how to feel. The, jurisdiction, the jurisdiction of who he is and what he has sway over, he has full right. Also, he's our father. He's our father. And you know, not too long from now, I'm going to need to tell my older daughter, I'm going to need to tell her, baby, you need to love your little sister. It's not a suggestion. You have to love your little sister. Am I a tyrant for saying that? No. I'm her father, and by being her father, I have an innate responsibility to direct and shepherd her heart into what is good for her. I... I, I have a responsibility. I have to. I have to. I'm her parent. I have to direct her heart into what's good for her because I love her. It's because I love her. So God has full right to tell us how to feel because he's our creator and he's our father. And the second question you might be thinking is, am I, am I actually responsible for how I feel? I've Growing up, I just always, I mean, however I feel is how I feel. I, I can't control how I feel. I, that's why we use the phrase, I'm not feeling it, or I am feeling it. I don't know about you, but I, I, I grew up, at, you know, if I'm not feeling it, big problem, you know, because I've got football practice coming up, and then I've got a test to study for, and, well, I, pff, too bad I'm not feeling it. You know, it would be better if I was feeling it, but I'm not feeling it. So I just, hopefully tomorrow I'll feel it. We, we use that phrase, I'm not feeling it, to distance ourselves from responsibility, right? That makes sense? Yeah, I mean, I know I should read my Bible, but I wake up and I'm not feeling it. So I'll just have to wait till I feel it. 
we are responsible for how we feel. That's why the first and greatest commandment, get this, is Mark 12, 30. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The first and greatest commandment is you. Love the Lord your God with all your being. It's the first and greatest commandment. And God wouldn't tell us that unless we were responsible for that. So this is what you really should be wondering. How can I crave God's word like that? How can I make the transition from, wow, wonderful meeting, awesome testimonies, wake up the next morning and honestly completely numb, mostly numb toward God and the things of God I, I, I want to get into anything else, honestly. I want to sleep more. I want to, uh, you know. <laughs> honestly, right? Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced the chasm of what you think and what you believe about God and the affections of your heart not matching? You ever experienced that? So you should be asking, okay, it's a command, and I don't experience that that often. I do sometimes, but not most of the time. How can I remediate that? How can I crave, long, desire, want God's word like that, like a newborn babe who will not stop, who will not give her parents sleep until she gets what she wants? She has to have it. How can I crave God's word like that? And the answer is in verse 3. Let's read it all together. Ready? Go. I hope you you do a big box around if. If. This is very important. This is a big important if, okay? And then I want you to underline taste. Tasted. If you have tasted that the Lord is good. As a newborn babe, you long, crave for, intensely desire the milk of God's word so that by eating it, you may grow unto salvation if you've tasted that the Lord is good. What does that mean? That means if you've tasted, you'll long. If you've tasted the good stuff, your affections will follow. You'll long, you'll intensely crave, you'll desire the good stuff. Man, this time is going so fast. Okay, we better just keep going. Okay, so um, you have to be taught. Your sin-affected soul has to be taught what is good. Okay, this is the way it is. We have a great time in the Lord. We wake up the next day, uh, not feeling it, okay? Why does that happen? Because we have to be taught what is good? Whenever you raise little children, you're going to learn they, like, uh, they don't like bland things. They really like things full of sugar, okay? Really like that. And so they'll intensely crave and desire raspberries and mangoes and strawberries and any kind of fruit, and let's leave the other things out, okay? Just please, sugar only. But here's the funny thing is that they'll actually forget that they like that. You'll be teaching them to eat. You'll be teaching them to eat. Say, here comes the mango. It's mango. 
think about how it's, mango's like ice cream on a tree. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's mango. Here comes the mango. Remember, it's your favorite. You ate it yesterday. And there's a, mm, 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 no, no. What happened? <laughs> don't, you, don't you remember? This is mango. It's the best. It's ice cream on a tree. You like it. You ate it five times yesterday. <laughs> no, mm, no. What happened? They forgot. Because that's, that's what happens. Children have to be taught what's good. They don't know what's good. Their taste buds have to be educated again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And this is what happens with the taste buds of our soul. We, do, we, just, we just don't know what's the best. And so we, yeah, no thanks. Even though we had such a good time the day before. So we have to taste again and again and again and again and again. Now I want you to see an example of somebody experiencing this, okay? There's somebody in the Bible, the guy who wrote Psalm 119, who was in this struggle that you and I and all of us feel, and he learned, he learned where the goods are. He learned where's the joy, where's the life, where's the happiness, where's the goods. I know I've learned where to go, and I want you to read it, Psalm 119, 25, ready, go. What's it mean for your soul to cling to the dust? What's that mean? Oh, I like that. Clinging to the things of earth, right? What else, what else, what else do you think? Dust? Death. Okay, yeah, maybe so, yeah. Clinging to things that make you spiritually dead. What else? Things that are unclean, perhaps? also might just mean you're pretty low. Think about that. Your soul clinging to the dust. I hope that's not my alarm. That means I'm out of time. When your soul, if your soul's clinging to dust, you're in a pretty low situation. It's clinging to the things of earth. Now, I want you to, uh, what do you say in the second part again? So when he's low... When he's clinging to the things of earth, what's he do? What's he say? Where does he go? Wait, he goes to the Word? What's he say there? Enliven me according to your Word. Whoa, you mean when he's feeling low, sad, lonely, when his soul is clinging to the things of this world, when he's affected by everything going on around him, he goes to the Word for life? <laughs> you know, if, if, if I, I think maybe if we were to interpret this uh, experientially, what we might do in our daily life, we might say, oh, my soul clings to the dust. Oh, Netflix. <laughs> Enliven me according to thy shows. Oh. oh, season one, season two, and if I, yeah, I can, yeah, I can miss class tomorrow. Season three also. 
Have you ever prayed that? I hope not. <laughs> but maybe you've done it. Right? Oh, 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 my soul clings to the dust. Oh, Snapchat. <laughs> Encourage me according to my active streaks. <laughs> Instagram, thy likes and thy comments, they comfort me. <laughs> huh? Isn't it interesting? The psalmist has learned. He's learned when I'm low, when I'm affected, when, I'm, when my soul clings to the things of earth, I know where to go. Wow. Enliven me according to your word. That also means revive me through your word or give me life by your word. Now, what I don't want you to think is that, okay, Chris, so what you're saying is I should never look at my phone and um, I should not have friends and I should just go to my room and read my Bible by myself all the time. Forget about school also. No, that's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. God's Word can be available to us in many different kinds of contexts and situations. One that I hope you're getting is reading your Bible in the morning. It's opening that thing up and eating God's Word so that you can grow. But also, there's things you can listen to that will put God's Word into you. And you know what? There's, there's, uh, there's groups of people that get together uh, weekly, sometimes more times than weekly, like uh, community groups and, and home groups. Did you know that there's people that you can get with that are filled with God's Word? And, and you, you may, it may need not even be a quote-unquote spiritual time, but when you're with them, something of God's Word flows out, and, and you walk away from that time revived revived according to your word. I was low. My soul was clinging to the things of earth. And then, and then I, I just, I got with the bros. And I got revived according, through, by God's word. There are home groups. Brothers and sisters, think about this. What, what, what are you doing on Friday night? What, I mean, what do you do? What do you do on Thirsty Thursday? What do you do on Thirsty Thursday? If you're, if you're not going downtown to drink a different kind of spirit that I would not encourage, what are you going to do? What do you do on a Thursday night? Don't, don't you want enjoyment? Don't, don't, you, don't, you, don't you want enjoyment? Don't you want to have a good time? What? Why, not, why not just roll through the ministry series? Did you know that there's like a huge group of people that get together and like have dinner and then <laughs> Did you know that? And then Friday night it happens all over the city. All over the city. I don't know what happens. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty low. I'm not having a great time. Oh, I don't want to go. I'm just going to, you know what, I'll just stay home and uh, play video games till 5 a.m. because, you know, I'm going to get some real rest and, and life. I'm going to get revived by that. Oh, you know what, they want to come and pick me up and take me to the home meeting. Oh, okay, I'll go. Oh, wow, this was an awesome time. How many times has that happened to you? This psalmist learned where to go. And there's many different contexts through which you can receive God's Word. Yes. Enliven me through, by, according to your Word. Okay, i got to wrap up. 
Two questions you should be thinking. One, you should be thinking, how can I do that? I, I want to taste. I want to learn to take this word and extract joy. I want to learn to do that. Be real. Just, tell your, just talk to yourself right now. Don't say it out loud. How often does that happen for you? I want you to think about it. There's nobody here to impress. It's just you. How often does that happen for you? If you want to learn to taste God's word, here's, here's what, I, I just don't have time to talk about it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to find one of our staff members, one of our upperclassmen. I like to call our staff members full-timers. You know why? Because they serve the Lord full-time. And they're having office hours on the campus all, all the time. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Maybe even Saturday and Lord's Day, too. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and you would just come to them and you say, hey, I, I don't know how to do that. What if you said that? What if you said, I don't know how to open this thing up and eat God's Word such that I walk away full of joy? I don't know how to do that. And brothers, I would say not just for the freshmen, but sophomores, juniors, and seniors, too. Blessed are you if you would come to one of the older brothers and sisters and say, I don't know how to do that, but I want to. I want to learn. Would you help me? I just, I was talking to another full-timer this morning, and I said, what would you do if somebody asked you that, said that to you? He was like, wow, how incredible. You want to talk about a good time. Okay, lastly, you should be asking yourself, how, how do I know that that's actually happening? How do I know that I'm doing it right? That when I come to the Bible, I'm eating it. I'm not just reading it and studying it, but I'm, I'm eating it and I'm increasing in the life of God. I'm growing for God's eternal purpose. How can I know that that process is actually happening? The way we can know is because there's a brother who experienced it named Jeremiah, and he wrote down his testimony, okay? Let's read Jeremiah 15, 16. Ready, go. Your words were found in a what? Amen. Your words were found in a what? Amen. You can eat God's word? Wait, what did he do? Your words were found in a what? I ate them. And then what happened? Your word became to me. I hope you circle became to me. Brothers and sisters, when's the last time God's word became something to you? Meaning, you consumed God's word and it affected you. Something experiential happened on the inside. There was an experiential effect God's word became to me. Your words were found. I ate them and they became something to me. What did they become? Is anybody in here like gladness? Anybody? Okay. Joy? A little bit? Anybody like joy? Gladness and joy of heart? Anybody? Maybe two hands, two feet? Jeremiah, can you give me some help, brother? I just, I'm low, and uh, I just, I, I want to, my heart, 
I just, I want to have gladness and joy. Can you help me? What, how would you counsel me? You need to find God's Word. You need to learn to eat God's Word. It's going to become the gladness and joy of your heart. What I hope is that someday you'll have a church camp high. You ever heard of that? You'll have a church camp high that you never come down from. That's my burden for you. I'm serious as a heart attack. I'm serious as a heart attack. I hope you have a church camp high that you never come down from. Because why? You've learned to make the conversion. As food is full of potential energy, so God's word is full of potential joy. And when you make the conversion, when you make the conversion, God's word, joy. Food, energy. I live because of what I physically eat. How do I have joy? I take in God's word. I'm going to pray now. When we, when we eat, when we taste, we'll, ha- we'll be more hungry. When we're more hungry, we'll eat more. When we eat more, we'll grow more. And that growth is going to, be, is going to result in God's eternal purpose. That's what unto salvation means in verse 2, back up in 1 Peter. That salvation there is so much more than only, as precious as as it is, being saved from the lake of fire. You're going to see this salvation is the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose, okay? I'll pray now. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this time in your word. Teach us. We open to you. God, we want to learn to taste and see that the Lord is good. We ask you to have great mercy on us. We would learn to taste again and again and again and again and again. Bless us, Lord. Thank you. Amen.